Gulmarg by Sir Francis Young Husband Travel Collection 1 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gulmarg What will be one day known as the Playground of India and what is known to the Kashmiris as the Meadow of Flowers, is situated twenty-six miles from Srinagar, halfway up the northward-facing slopes of the Pur Panjal. There is no other place like Gulmarg. Originally a mere meadow to which the Kashmiri shepherds used to bring their sheep, cattle and ponies for summer grazing, it is now the resort of six or seven hundred European visitors every summer. The Maharaja has a palace there. There is a residency, an hotel with a theatre and ballroom, post office, telegraph office, club, and more than a hundred huts built and owned by Europeans. There are also golf links, two polo grounds, a cricket ground, four tennis courts and two croquet grounds. There are level, circular roads running all around it. There is a pipe water supply, and maybe soon there will be electric light everywhere, and yet for eight months in the year the place is entirely deserted and under snow. Like Kashmir generally, Gulmarg also is said by those who know it in the old days to be now spoilt. With increasing numbers of visitors, with the numerous huts springing up year by year in every direction, with the dinners and dances, it is said to have lost its former charms, and it is believed that in a few years it will not be worth living in. My own view is precisely the opposite. I knew Gulmarg nineteen years ago, and it certainly then had many charms. The walks and scenery and the fresh bracing air were delightful. Where now are roads, there were then only meandering paths. What is now the polo ground was then a swamp, the fore of the golfer was unknown. All was then Arcadian simplicity. Nothing more thrilling than a walk in the woods or at most a luncheon party was ever heard of. And doubtless this simplicity of life has its advantages, but it had also its drawbacks. Man cannot live for ever on walks, however charming and however fascinating his companion may be. His soul yearns for a ball of some kind, whether it be a polo ball, a cricket ball, a tennis ball, a golf ball, or even a croquet ball. Until he has a ball of some description to play with, he is never really happy. So now that a sufficient number of visitors come to Gulmarg to supply subscriptions enough to make and keep up really good golf links, polo grounds, etc., I, for my part, think Gulmarg is greatly improved. I think, further, that it has not yet reached the zenith of its attractions. It is the Gulmarg of the future that will be the really attractive Gulmarg, when there is money enough to make the second links as good as the first, to lay out good rides down and around the marge, to make a lake at the end, to stock it with trout, and to have electric light and water in all the huts, and when a good hotel and a good club with quarters for casual bachelor visitors have been built. All this is straying far from the original Arcadian simplicity 
but those who wish for simplicity can still have it in many of a valley in Kashmir, at Somanag, Palgam, or Tragbal, and numerous other places, and the advantage of Gulmark is that the visitor can still, if he choose, be very fairly simple. He can go about in a suit of putto. He need not go to a single dance, or theatrical performance, or dinner party, or play a single game. He need not speak to a soul unless he wants to. He can pitch his tent in some remote end of the marge, and he can take his solitary walks in the woods. But, if after a while he finds his own society, is not after all so agreeable as he had thought. If he feels a hankering for the society of his fellows, male or female, and if he finds the temptation to play with some ball is irresistible, then just under his nose is every attraction. He can indulge his misanthropic inclinations at will, and at a turn in those inclinations he can plunge into games and gaiety to his heart's content. The main charm of Gulmarg will, however, always remain the beauty of its natural scenery and the views of the great peak, Nanga Parbat, 26,260 feet above sea level and 80 miles distant across the valley. The marge, or meadow itself, is a flowery, saucer-shaped hollow under a mountain 13,000 feet high, and bounded by a ridge directly overhanging the main valley of Kashmir. It is 8,500 feet above sea level, open and covered with flowers and soft green turf, but on all sides it is surrounded by forests of silver fir, interspersed with spruce, blue pine, maple, and a few horse chestnuts. And the great attraction is that through this forest of stately graceful firs, the most superb views may be had, first over the whole length and breadth of the Vale of Kashmir, then along the range of snowy mountains on the north, and at a culminating pleasure to the solitary Nanga Parbat, which stands out clear and distant above and beyond all the lesser ranges, and belonging so it seems, to a separate and purer world of its own. And there is a further attraction in the gold-marked scenery that is ever-changing, now clear and sufficed in brilliant sunlight, now the bottle ground of monsoon storms, and now again streaked with soft, fleecy vapours, and bathed in haze and colour. No two days are alike, and each point of view discloses some new loveliness. Round the outside of the ridge runs what is known as the circular road. It has the advantage of being perfectly level, and is fit for riding as well as walking. Except the road through the tropical forests near Darjeeling, along which I rode on my way to and from Tibet, and which runs for miles with glorious tropical vegetation, by immense broad-leafed trees with unknown names, all festooned with creepers and lighted with orchids, by great tree-therns, wild bananas and a host of other treasures of plant life, and through which glimpses of the mighty Kinjinjanga 28,250 feet could be caught, except that I know of no other more beautiful road than this along the ridge of Gulmarg. From it one looks down through the wealth of forest onto the valley below, intersected with streams and water channels, dotted over with wooded villages and covered with rice-fields of emerald green. 
onto the great river winding along the strength of the valley to the Wula Lake at its western end, onto the glinting roofs of Shurnugger, onto the snowy range on the far side valley, and finally onto Nanga Parbat itself. And never for two days together is this glorious panorama exactly the same. One day the valley will be filled with a sea of rolling clouds through which gleams of sunshine light up the brilliant green of the rice fields below. Above the billowy sea of clouds, long level lines of mist will float along the opposite mountain sides. Above these again will rise the great mountains looking inconceivably high. And above all will soar Nanga Parbat, looking at sunset like a pearly island rising from an ocean of ruddy light. On another day there will be not a cloud in the sky. The whole scene will be bathed in a bluey haze. Through the many vistas cut in the forest, the eye will be carried to the foothills sloping gradually toward the river, to the little clumps of pine wood, the village clusters of walnut, pear and mulberry, the fields of rice and maize, to the silvery reaches of the jellum, winding from the Wula Lake to Baramula, to the purpley blue of the distant mountains, then on to the bluey white of Nangan Parbat, sharply defined, yet in colour neatly merging into the azure of the sky, and showing out in all the greater beauty that we see it framed by the dark and graceful pines in which we stand. And this forest has no mean attractions of its own, of which to my little girl the chief were the white columbines. Here also are found purple columbines, daphimians, what are known as white sliver orchids, yellow violets, balsams, mauve and yellow primulas, potentellas, anemones, Jacob's ladder, monkshaw, salvias, many graceful ferns, and numerous other flowers of which I do not pretend to know the name. The residency is situated on the summit of the ridge above the circular road, and from it can be seen not only Nangat Parbat, through a vista cut in the trees, and the main valley, but also a lovely little side valley known as the Ferrozoba Nulla. Looking straight down two thousand feet through the pine trees, we see a mountain torrent, whose distant rumbling mingles soothingly with the sighing of the pines. Brilliant green meadows, on which a few detached pine trees stand gracefully out here and there, line the river banks. Steep hillsides, mostly clad in gloomy forest, rise on either hand, but relieved by many patches of grassy, sunlit slope. The spurs become a deeper and deeper purple as they recede. The openings in the forests become wider higher on the mountainside, where the avalanches have scarred them more frequently. Higher still the forest line is passed, and the little stream is seen issuing from its source along the snow fields and flowing over enticing grassy meadows. Above the glistening snowfields rise is a rugged peak of the Purpanjal, which when it is not set against the background of intense blue sky is the butt of raging storm clouds. The most beautiful time in Gulmarg is in September, when the rains are over and the first fresh autumn nip is in the air. 
then from the summer-house in our garden in the early morning to feast my eyes and nanga parbat was a perpetual delight it was the very emblem of purity dignity and repose day after day it would appear as a vision of soft pure white in a gauze-like haze of delicate blue too light and too ethereal for earth but seemingly a part of heaven a vision which was a religion in itself which diffused its beauty throughout one's being and evoked from it all that was most pure and lovely the foreground in this autumn month was also worthy of the supreme subject of the picture through the pines, the touches of sunlit meadow, fresh and green, with long shadows of the trees thrown here and there across them, and intensifying the effect of the sunlight, the groups of cattle, the horizontal streaks of mist floating on the edge of the woods, the cheerful twittering of the birds, the soothing hum of the bees and insects, the crowing of cocks, the rippling sound of running water, and then looking toward a parwot, the brilliant sunshine brightening the emerald grass of the marge, the patches of yellow flowers, the little meandering streams, the pretty chalet huts peeping out from the edge of the trees, the background of dark firs and pines getting lighter as they merge into the bluey haze of the distance, the fresh green meadows over the limit of the pines, the snowfields, the rocky peaks, and above all the clear blue liquid sky. All this gave a setting and an atmosphere which fitly served as an accompaniment to this most impressive of nature's works. End of Gulmarg